Praise be to the living God for what he's doing in the world today. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every person. I think it's important to realize that missions is a Jesus thing. It's not a missionary thing. It's a Jesus thing. Before he ascended into heaven, he said, when the Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. I'm so glad you have this month of missions emphasis. And as a token of thanksgiving, uh, we want to uh, give all of you a book or two free. I'm afraid the first service uh, got carried away beyond all comprehension. And so the number of books left is diminished. You might have to come back this evening as we're driving to our warehouse to get more books. But everybody can get one or two books uh, free, especially uh, this book about uh, children, about babies, about the subject of abortion. The first service actually was put on the seats, but we're not able to do that this time. So pick that up. I've just come back from Russia. It's just unbelievable, out-of-control abortion in Russia. Also China and India. In fact, non-Christian secular people are now speaking up. And a new book has come out. Where are the brides? Just hundreds and hundreds of thousands of men. There's no chance of them finding a bride in some of those parts of India and China because their lives were taken before they were born simply on the basis of gender. It's a global scandal. Read uh, that book as at least uh, one step toward understanding all of that better. I think we have some of these New Testaments left as a gift. And this Christian classic uh, by Roy Hessian, over a million in print, 80 languages. It's just a book that was required reading in our movement in the first 30 years and I just thank God for this man. I got to know him personally. He's in heaven now. Pick up a copy of Calvary Road as a uh, gift. All the other books are on a donation, even one pound. I don't like these uh, one pound shops to get the edge on me. And so you can just leave a pound. There's this phenomenal book on leadership by Oswald Saunders. There's Peter Maiden, who's been the director of OM, chairman of the Keswick Convention. He's up there right now. His, uh, thank you, his brilliant book on discipleship. The second most influ influential man of my life, Oswald J. Smith. Not so well known today, but his book helped change my life and gave me the vision over 50 years ago for Afghanistan. We don't have many of these, but so we can't give it free, but it's there uh, for a donation. And visit your own bookshop, because in your own bookshop, you have one of the most important missionary books in all of history, and the new edition. You will use this for the next 10 or 20 years. The feedback we receive from this, over a million, is astounding. Just the section on Russia, where I've just been, is just so amazing. Read about your own country. You'll probably find a few things you didn't realize. A lot of people don't realize all that God is doing here in Great Britain. So pick up from your own bookshop a copy of Operation World. And thank you for making use of my own book, uh, Out of the Comfort Zone, long before I've, uh, I've come.
Apparently, a lot of copies of that went out. We're flooding out around the world this DVD about Jesus. This film is in more languages than any film in history. And now there's Magdalena, the women's uh, sort of version, and the children's. And there's still some of these available free. But we want to supply these to you by the hundreds. We've just done 40,000 more because it's a hot evangelistic tool. And I uh, don't know if we have enough for everybody to get a sample, but we're very easy to contact. By the way, they even have some of these uh, bags so you have something to carry your books in. But the main book, of course, is always God's Word, the Bible. And there's a number of passages on my heart this morning, but we're going to start with Psalm 67. Just before I read that, because I forgot to do this in the first service, I just have a couple of prayer requests for our ministry. There are now, and we thank the Lord for it, so many ministries. And we don't expect you to know really what Operation Mobilization is. I hardly touched on it in the first service. But I do have some urgent prayer requests as I've been getting emails even this morning. <clears throat> Number one, our biggest teenage event for younger teens is starting in a few days. Over 3,000 are going to be there. Uh, most of them, that includes staff, are between 12 and 16. This has been going on 20 years. Um, it's a big thing. A lot of complexity. So would you pray for Teen Street? And maybe next year, you know, teenagers that age, you might challenge them about one of the largest teen events in all of Europe, Teen Street. And then would you pray for Mission Net? Mission Net is the largest interdenominational missions conference in Europe. A little similar to the big one in America called Urbana, which attracted 20,000 last Christmas. Mission Net, again, it's in Germany. One of the few mission events where people are there from every nation in Europe. But of course, many go who are from other countries, but living in Europe. Just jot it down. Google it in this morning. Mission Net, pray. I'll be there again. But uh, it's, it's, it's a challenge, especially in Europe. And thirdly, just two other items. Would you pray for our ship, Lagos Hope? There's a book about the ship just published on the book table. You can have it for a pound. Not that many of them in Britain yet. It's published in India. But uh, would you pray especially for more men? At present, the, women has, the ship has two women for every man. Not a great problem. They're often harder workers and more intelligent anyway. But we need more men, especially in the engine room. And we train up men how to be engineers. 400 people live on the ship. Right now it's in Malaysia with a lot of restrictions. We're headed into the Gulf soon in Sri Lanka. I'm back on the ship in November. Uh, again, Google in Lagos or Lagos Hope. You can even follow the ship as it sails. How many of you have dreamed about traveling on a ship from nation to nation around the world? Raise your hand. You're not big into sea time dreams, but I see a number of hands. A lot of people think, well, it's impossible to ever get and work on this ship. It's not impossible. Ordinary people are accepted into this program 
every year. You need to find out about it. My fourth prayer request is for India, where our work has exploded beyond what we could imagine. Thousands and thousands and thousands are coming to Jesus from the outcasts, the Dalits. You might find a book about that on the book table. But I'd urge you to pray for the Dalits. 200 million. It's a form of slavery. Have you ever studied slavery? Wasn't it good that that went? The horror and then of segregation. It's still happening in India. Among the untouchables. And it's a, the, to me the largest single global social uh, crisis in the world today. Most of them are condemned for life into poverty. There are exceptions, thanks to at least a few changes in the government. So there's four requests. Would you pray with me for those four requests and then put them down? And if you ever want more information, just email me personally. You can easily find me. Just Google in my name. I think my website and email was going to come on the screen at some point. Would you pray with me right now? You know, in Russia where I've just come from, it's unheard of for people to sit and pray. They always stand. Isn't it amazing how each nation is different? One group in India, under a good friend of mine, Buck Singh, he said, when you pray, you must kneel. You're all over the world getting people to kneel. And in Russia, you've got to stand. In fact, our great God accepts people in whatever position they're praying. But let's stand to honor Russia. As also the offering later is going to be to buy DVDs to flood out across Russia in multi-languages. Father, we pray for Russia, this giant nation where there's such an open door, but very few are going. And many, many counterattacks from the enemy. And then we pray for Lagos Hope, the ship there in Malaysia. Lord, you know the need for workers, just ordinary people, to come and to be trained and to work on the ship. And then, Lord, we pray for the work there in India, especially the Dalits, who are coming by the tens of thousands. Pray for the 3,000 churches in the Good Shepherd Network. But we know there's many other networks. We cry out in connection with the financial needs, which are so great at this time. And then, Lord, we pray for this Teen Street event there in Germany, with over 3,000 of them coming together in the next few days, all the travel. The small groups, the worship, the Bible study, the books. Lord, we pray for great breakthroughs there in Teen Street. Lord Jesus, we just look to you and believe that you want to do great things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Be seated. Psalm 67. Psalm 67, often called the missionary psalm. May God be gracious to us and bless us. That's a prayer we can all pray right now. May God be gracious to us and bless us. And as I look back at 58 years, by his grace, every single day for 58 years, serving Jesus, starting in my own high school, where in one meeting alone where I shared my testimony when I came back for Christmas break from university, 125 in that one meeting, my own high school friends, there outside New York City, stood up to believe on Jesus, including my own father, the son of an atheist. That's what I saw God do when I was 18 years of age, 
two years in Jesus. I've had so much blessing from God. I, I sometimes just fall on my face, unable to understand how God could ever use a character like me because I had lots of problems and made a lot of stupid mistakes. And all my life, struggled with a thorn in the flesh. My thorn is uh, in the whole area of lust and especially pornography. How I prayed as a teenager when God began to set me free that this would go completely, but it never has. And so that passage in Corinthians, his grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in weakness. I've known a very high level of victory, and I've never done anything stupid to dishonor my wife as we've been totally faithful to one another 53 years. But one day I was walking in the woods right here uh, in southeast London, and uh, there was a pornographic magazine in a tree. Somebody had been using a very expensive kind that I never, never purchased. <laughs> it was hanging there in the tree, and there were bullet holes through the magazine. And how I wish I could just now give you my victorious life, <laughs> superpower, Holy Spirit testimony, how I just looked at the magazine, of course, in the name of Jesus, it disintegrated under the power of God. How many of you would prefer the truth? Are any of you into truth? Oh, well, the magazine made a fool out of me as I fell into the lust of the eyes in the woods. And you know, when you do that as a man that's committed to Jesus and knows the reality of God, you feel really bad. Any of you men can relate to that? You feel, hey, I don't know how God's ever going to use me. And how am I going to explain this to my wife? Whatever. Satan, the accuser of the brethren, tried to destroy me in the woods that day. But I knew about Jesus. I knew he loved me. I knew about radical forgiveness from many passages, especially 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. Sin not. If you sin, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And so there in the woods, not so far from here, in brokenness before God, I repented. And yet the rest of my life, I've had to be careful, walk in the light with other brothers, being open and honest with my own wife, feeding on the Word of God. If you look at my website, georgeverward.com, you'll see a whole 20-point strategy how I deal with the lust of the eyes. And if a character like me can live in victory, which includes dealing with incidents like the one I told you, but if a character like me can do that and run this race 58 years, no one here has an excuse. Don't let Satan accuse you because you've fallen on your face in some issue, maybe a bigger issue. Because plan B in God's program can be just as great as plan A, huh? So if you made some wrong turns in your life, we were the first global missions movement to recruit divorced people. And I look back at 56 years working with divorced people. And I still preach against that. But I've seen God restore them. The first captain of our ship, he didn't think he should be captain because he had already been through divorce. The church in those days persecuted divorced people. And he said, how can I be captain of the ship? I've been divorced. Don't you know that? I was a Norwegian, former drunk. I said, look, I don't find any verses here that say uh, a divorced person can't be captain of the ship. 
Not only was a great captain of that first ship that sailed around Africa, my whole family lived on board. God gave him another wife on that ship. And what a beautiful marriage they had. You say, hey, man, that doesn't fit into my box. Brothers and sisters, maybe you haven't been told yet, God's not into boxes. Mercy, mercy, forgiveness, giving people a second chance. And some of the greatest people I've known serving God have been through, yes, even horrendous, difficult experiences like divorce. OM is known for our message on radical discipleship. We've flooded the world with books on discipleship. My own books are all about discipleship. Most of you probably have at least one. But radical discipleship without radical grace is a dead-end street that will discourage people and depress people, that will create a lot of unrealistic expectation in which they will only crash themselves on their own goals and their own aims and their own dreams. We need also the message of radical grace. Yes, God has blessed me. I guess my favorite story is one that Tony Compalo, a great Italian background preacher, American, wow, sometimes he and I are together in the same conference. I love it. After people listen to him, I come across so mellow, and uh, people are more ready to listen. But Tony's one of God's wild, out-of-the-box characters, and he shared this story that ministered to me. Because all my life, I've struggled with things about myself that I don't like. And he shared the story of a family in the thunderstorm. The storm was so bad, even the adults were nervous. What about the children? Suddenly they realized the little seven-year-old girl is up alone in her bedroom. And so they ran up the stairs and they opened the door. And there the little girl was looking out the window. Bang, another flash of lightning. They said, are you okay? And she was smiling. She said, I'm fine. I think God is taking my picture. <laughs> Whoa. Have you ever thought of that? Can you imagine God just looking you in the eye, the living God, the living Jesus, looking in you in the eye and say, can I have one more picture? Oh, let's have one with you and I together. Jesus standing next to you, taking your picture. Whatever crisis you're dealing with, Whatever way your heart gets broken in the years to come, and mine's been broken hundreds of times, remember, God loves you. You will not always feel that. And as human beings, please accept this. No matter how filled we are with the Holy Spirit, we're still incredibly human. I moved down as a young Christian the road of super spirituality, and I hurt people, and I hurt my own wife. And I realized I've got to rediscover my humanness. Dr. Francis Schaefer, who I met in this very building in the 60s and became a close friend who birthed Labrie Fellowship and wrote many of those amazing books and a tremendous video series. Colin Dye has been going through one of the series himself again recently, though it's very old. He helped me to rediscover my humanness, the importance of the arts, the importance of different kinds of food, the importance of, of uh, the whole world of, of film and music and to get back into Beethoven or Bach or whatever kind of music. By God's grace, because of him and other people that I owe so much to, Owen was one of the first major mission groups to use contemporary music in a major way. One of the first groups to use computers in a major way when hardly anybody even had one. 
Because we believe to reach the world with the gospel, we have to be ready for change. We have to be ready to do things differently. We're dealing with a whole different generation of young people. They don't even understand what we're talking about. And so we need to understand film. We need to understand the arts. We need to be less negative and more positive about what the Holy Spirit is doing in a variety of ways through a variety of people around the world. Yes, God has blessed my wife and I, our three children, our fine grandchildren, and I know God is blessing you. But he wants to do more. Let's just read the rest of the psalm and then jump into other passages. So that your ways may be known on earth and your salvation among all the nations. Here we are back again to the nations right in the middle of the book of Psalms. May the people praise you, God. May all the people praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. Isn't that amazing? For you rule a people with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the people praise you, God. May all the people praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. The ends of the earth. Do you have that phrase in your vocabulary? In Romans, or maybe it's Corinthians, it talks about the regions beyond. It talks about the uttermost part. Paul said, I want to go. This is Paul in the first century. I want to go. Where Jesus has not been named. Why, why should we leave London? This is a mission field. By the way, this is where I live. It's pretty embarrassing. 51 years here and I can't even speak the language. But I, I just press on anyway. And it's hard when you live in London to try to think about some of these other nations. Because most of the nations are here. And for those of us who live in London... Our Jerusalem, our London, is, is a major part of our whole life. This is where we live. There's nothing wrong with living here. At the same time, we want to be concerned for the uttermost parts and places where Jesus has never been named. You cannot claim in Britain that Jesus Christ has never been named. We know people distort it. We know people need to hear more. But again and again, the name of Jesus is lifted up. Did you go to St. Paul's during the Jubilee? Have you read even the testimony in the front page of the Daily Telegraph of the Queen? And we are blessed with hearing the name of Jesus. Sadly, many reject. Many turn it into a swear word. And so, of course, we see the dark side. We see it every day. But there's no comparison in the other nations where the church barely exists. There are 40 nations you can get them on my website. Forty nations have less than 1% of the witness we have in London, and we need a lot more. Why have we brought all these DVDs and books if we don't need more? Do you pray for Saudi Arabia? Do you pray for Libya and Tunisia? Do you pray for Somalia, Turkmenistan? There are more believers here this morning than all those countries all put together from the native people. Do you pray for Tibet where almost no believers at all? Do you pray for Afghanistan where the church is trying to be born in the midst of phenomenal suffering? And very few are even willing to consider that country one of the main fields of OM now for 50 years. And so it's hard, isn't it, to find that balance reaching out right here 
the moment we walk out the door. And yet, considering the regions beyond, brothers and sisters, we can do both. We can do both. Why? How? The ministry of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Acts chapter uh, 13. The book of Acts chapter 13. You can stop in chapter 12 on the way just for a minute. Peter was in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing. Bang! He's out of prison. Do you know that kind of praying? Verse 12. Peter went to the house where many were gathered praying. The most important prayer meeting in any church, in my view, is the prayer meeting. And may God give you grace to go the extra mile to be involved in the prayer ministry of the church and in the university and in the office. As all kinds of prayer groups are springing up around the nation. And may your cell church group, small group, also be a dynamic praying force. But look at chapter 13. Another prayer meeting. Whoa. Speaks about the church in Antioch. It was a new church. It was a young church. It was born out of persecution in Jerusalem. Pick it up at verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. The ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost will bring a holy go. Yet a lot of people claiming to have all kinds of great experiences with the Holy Spirit. And I don't judge people. But I will tell you when someone knows the reality of the Holy Spirit, according to the word of God, there's going to be the sharing of their faith. There's going to be witness. Ye shall be my witnesses. This is not for a few professionals who go out as missionaries. We need them as well. Or for those that are called into uh, what some people call full-time. I believe we're all full-time for Jesus. This is for every believer. And I want to tell all of you who work here in London, even though you may not like your job right now, your work is important with God. We can no longer separate the secular from the sacred Top voices like John Stott, who ministered in this city for so many decades, constantly were hitting us with the other 98%. Who in the world is that in London? The people in the marketplace, the people in the offices, the people behind the computers, the people who work there on the top of the shard. I just went to the top. Wow, that was a great experience. I'm glad someone else paid for it. I noticed the other day a guy went up, but he decided to climb up on the outside. Did you know that? Of course, he got arrested when he got to the top. Isn't it amazing what people get a buzz out of? But what's sad is people who claim to know Jesus, and they don't have any buzz. They don't have any Holy Ghost buzz in their life. And maybe some of you, if you're honest, you once had that buzz. You once knew that first love. And somehow, sort of it's gone. Maybe you did something stupid. Maybe you sinned and haven't got... Forgiveness are known how to dealt with. But I don't believe we have to lose our first love. By his grace, I've known that same love, my conversion, December 3rd, 1955, every single day since my conversion. I'm not exactly a teenager anymore. I just celebrated my 75th birthday with a missions disguise event with 250 people just down the road here at the Emmanuel Center. 
And if God, listen, if God can keep a character like me, I'm a natural non-Christian. My grandfather was an atheist. My other grandfather was a drunk. And uh, I'm just not a natural Christian. I'm a natural backslider. But somehow, because of the Word of God, because I was mentored by godly men in godly books, somehow, every day, every day. By the way, some of you getting older, there's no retirement program in the Bible. <laughs> I retired from all the major leadership in OM 10 years ago. Peter Maiden, who's left it for 10 years, is now turning it over to Lawrence Tong, the new international director of OM a Chinese brother from Singapore who pioneered our work in China. I hope someday Lawrence can come and share here. But I found these years of tremendous change just as great as the previous years. Be ready for change. Be ready, be ready for transition. And I believe God works in different people in different ways, in different periods of their life. And if you've had those big failures, and you made some really stupid mistakes, and you wonder how in the world can God use me now? Remember, plan B can be as great as plan A because God is sovereign. God is merciful. You say, well, I made a lot of mistakes in my life. You, know, you don't know who you're talking to here, loudmouth American. Uh, you're on, like, plan H? Hello, plan H people? Praise God for a big alphabet. Press on in the grace that there is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. His grace is sufficient. His strength is made perfect in weakness. And here we see the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I'd love to send you a whole CD or DVD set that I gave on the book of Acts. I think it went out on television. I'd be happy to send it to you as a gift. But I'd encourage you to feed on the book of Acts and realize the powerful, significant ministry of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me quickly to another passage in the book of James. I love it when churches like this give you a little extra time. You know, I love the Anglicans, and there are many born-again, spirit-filled Anglicans. But a lot of the Anglican churches I've been in, 50 years of them, they like a short service, short message. I remember this Anglican vicar, when I arrived, he said, look, you have 19 minutes for the message. I, I almost got on my knees. I said, look, vicar, you know, I'm cold turkey here. Your people don't know me. I, I need some extra time. He looked at me, of course, brother. That's why we are allotting to you this morning uh, 21 minutes for your message. <laughs> when Colin said 50 minutes, I said, hallelujah. Uh, because we're looking in the word of God. We're not here mainly listening to George Verwer's philosophy. And may you have grace to throw George Verwer's straw out the wheat, out the window, and lay hold of the wheat. That God, by his Holy Spirit, will communicate in your heart. But I want you to look at James chapter 1. We've been emphasizing God's blessing. We read that great psalm. So it's good to go to the other side of the coin and realize that blessing doesn't always come the way we want it. And it doesn't always feel good as God is working it in to the spiritual DNA of our lives. Verse 2, James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work 
so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And then it goes on to talk about asking God for wisdom. Many of us pray for, for power and authority in our ministry. Hallelujah. Many of us pray for great things to be accomplished. But I believe one of the key prayers in the very complex day in which we live, in which even global missions has become more complicated, more messy, more controversial, I believe we need to ask for wisdom. I thank God when I was selling books door to door before I first went to Mexico. I was 19, a couple of years in Jesus, selling Bibles door to door. Tremendous experience. This lady purchased a lot of books. But she could see probably that I was big on zeal and weak on wisdom. She invited me into the house and sat me down, asked me if I studied the book of Proverbs. You know, I don't think I'd found that yet. And she said, a proverb a day keeps the devil away. She really tried to scare me. She did, actually. And then showed me 31 Proverbs, one for every day of the month. We have, we have mystery in the book of Proverbs. I mean, we have wisdom. We have discernment. I urge you to study the book of Proverbs. Almost since I met that lady, I've been in the Proverbs and the Psalms almost every single day day. How many of you have studied the book of Proverbs? Raise your hand. Proverbaholics, raise your hands. Oh, let me try another survey. How many of you, be honest, you've never read the whole Bible through? Raise your hand. You've not yet done that. You're aiming at it. You've not yet done that. Whoa. This is your day. If now as a result of me challenging you, you read the whole Bible through in the next year, and I urge you to do it. Read four or five different places at the same time. There are Bible reading plans. There are many ways to do it. Use audio as well. But if you do that in the next 12 months and email me and say, hey, I read the Bible through, I will send you as a gift, no strings attached, a beautiful study Bible. Now, I was really stupid to say that. <laughs> if my wife would hear, was here, she would probably say, Darling, how are you going to do that? You, you actually haven't paid the bills for the last batch of books <laughs> that you just gave away. How are you going to do that? Study Bibles are quite expensive. Anyway, you do it 12 months from now. Um, we'll see. <laughs> but since the Lord has been answering prayer and supplying finance for this movement for the last 58 years, I believe he could handle next year. So I hope you'll read the whole Bible through. So many people that I've seen shipwreck their Christian life is because they just took certain verses and went running down the road with those verses and failed to let those truths be brought into balance by other truths. I did that when I discovered Luke 14, 33. Except you forsake all that you have, you can't be my disciple. And I not only preached that to my generation, I jammed it down their throat. And boy, did we see things come. People were selling their possessions. I'd sold all mine. Money went into Christian literature. It all sounded fantastic. In fact, God used it to attract radical people to join OM. And it's great. Hey, it's great if you stay single. But you know, if you get married and then you have children, I wasn't planning to have any children right away. You know, back in those days, a little different than today. 
And so we're going to the mission field. I got to learn Spanish. We're going to Mexico. Then we're going to Spain. I'm studying Russian. You know. But then I read a book against birth control. Whoa. Then I read another book and said there's another kind of birth control called the rhythm method. I think it's launched by the Catholics. It's for people that are really disciplined. Hey, that's for me. And so, boom. Anyway, nine months later, our first son was born. <laughs> born there in Madrid, Spain. And shortly after, my second son was born in London. And pretty soon, my daughter was on her way. And I changed my theology big time. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for birth control. And now I've got five grandchildren. I'm not responsible directly for that. How many of you have grandchildren? Raise your hand. Made, aren't they wonderful? My wife's not here because she's with them right now. Two, we have two English and three Yanks grandchildren. Tony Campalo says, grandchildren is God's prize to you for not killing off your own kids. <laughs> I don't think he got that from the Bible. The next passage of scripture is in the first chapter of Peter. First Peter. First Peter. Following on from what we read in James. Trying to find that balance. Who through faith. No, where should we start? Boy, I'd love to read the whole chapter. But let's start there at verse 5. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is already to be revealed in the last time. In all this, listen, you greatly rejoice. Amen. That's our position, right? You greatly rejoice. Though now for a while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that you're proving genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed though you have not seen him you love him that so ministers to me even though you do not see him now you believe him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy hallelujah these passages are strong. And I'd urge you not just to lay hold of the blessing passages, which we've looked at a little bit, but to lay hold of these passages that awaken us. The road ahead will not be easy. Some of you are thinking about getting married soon. It's great. And I have a wonderful marriage. But I've seen a lot of disastrous marriages as well. And I just want to let you know and I share this with all my heart. Marriage generally is a rough road. There are trials. There are tribulations. There are temptations. There will be heartbreaks probably eventually with your own children. Have any of you as children here broken the hearts of your own parents? Probably. You didn't probably want to. But we need to live in a real world. And that's why I believe we need to get discipled. We need to get into realistic Godly biblical discipleship. Please pick up Peter Maiden's book on that subject. Just as early as we can in our Christian life. In the first service, I shared seven things I learned before I was 21 years of age. That was such an enormous help in my own Christian walk. 
I don't have time to do that. I've taken a different message for this service. But I just want to mention a couple of them because I really believe, and the age thing isn't important, but the first five years after your conversion are incredibly important to get that right foundation so you can be a long-distance runner. That's another passage we looked at in the last service. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, running the race, laying aside every weight. I'm sure you've been studying it, especially with the Olympics here last summer. What a challenge to be a long-distance marathon runner. And I just celebrate that by God's grace, I'm one of these long-distance marathon runners for Jesus. And yet I know some tougher races may actually be ahead of me. But here's the seven things I learned before I was 21. I learned how to pray. Serious prayer, spiritual warfare. I organized nights of prayer in my own high school, and that launched our campaign that birthed Operation Mobilization in Mexico. Number two, I learned how not just to study the Word, to meditate on the Word of God, mixing it with praise and worship, but then using the Word of God to stand against the enemy attack. Study Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. So important, that passage of Scripture. And then number three, I learned about how to deal with temptation, especially these weaknesses. I seem to have a lot of them. I had a bad temper. My temper could have destroyed me. It could have destroyed my marriage. But I learned one of the greatest celebrations in my life, how to bring that hot Dutch temper under control. And my wife can testify to God's grace in my life. And women, if you marry an angry man who doesn't have serious proven victory over anger, you are going to suffer. You are going to suffer. Domestic abuse is out of control. And if you think because someone professes Jesus, you're as, you're as deceived as a blind rabbit on a moon trip. You need to wake up. Satan has a roaring lion seeking through me, may devour. And we need to deal ruthlessly with anger if that's a basic problem in our lives. It was not far from here in 8 Tassel Road, Fulham, where I first lived 51 years ago. I picked up Billy Graham's book, The Seven Deadly Sins, and one of them was anger, and the power of God met me, and I began to, I was already battling it way back before I was 21, what I'm sharing about, but I knew that I had to be even more careful, as now I had a family the work was growing. The pressure was growing. And sometimes under pressure, I'd lose my cool and I'd hurt someone. One of the things I'm ashamed for the most, but it's under the blood of Jesus. People I've hurt with my tongue and my temper. Long after I was getting great victory over my temper, I had struggled with irritability. Things would wind me up. Things would tick me off. And again, God used his word just to humble me. Please pick up this book, Calvary Road. Because that was one of the books God used to humble me. Even in our marriage, we didn't really know each other. We were sort of a Bible college marriage. I had given her the key verse from Ephesians. Submit unto your husband as unto the Lord. She was young and naive. Sure, let's go. I had tried to scare her away. On the first date, I said, nothing going to happen between you and me. But you need to know I'm going to be a missionary. And if you marry me, you'll probably end up being eaten alive by cannibals in New Guinea. Somehow it didn't scare her away. We got married. And here we were. I didn't believe in any honeymoon. didn't believe in spending any money. This was in my extreme days. That's why I said what I said a few moments ago. And we're living on the floor in the back of a bookshop. We're not eating very well. 
she had already sold all of her possessions and um, we were having difficulties because George Vera wasn't as spiritual as he thought he was before he got married. You see, marriage is God's PhD program in Holy Ghost brokenness. <laughs> and together, my wife and I read this little chapter. We read this little chapter in this book. We had already read it. Revival in the home. And we've experienced the revival of Jesus in our home these 53 years. Not because we're perfect. Not because we don't fail. But we found that balance between radical discipleship and radical grace. And we learned how to humble ourselves and apologize and deal strongly with any besetting sin that's hindering and hurting us in the battle. And then I learned how to give. I learned how to give generously, I think, when I was only 18. And as I said, I sort of went into extreme. And I needed counseling that I was giving too much. They took me aside, the leaders of OM, and said, look, you have to learn how to spend some money on your family. And so, you know, I gave my wife a pound and told her, look, be feel free to use this just however you want. Things, things have changed a lot since then. She's now fully in charge of finance. But I don't know how many of you, how many of you need counseling because you're too generous. You're giving away too much. Hey, if that's your problem, email me and I can make arrangements. But I think most of us need counseling how to be more generous, how to trust God more, how to give and believe somehow we'll make it through these hard economic days that many of us are living in. Well, there are a few of the lessons God taught me before I was 21. And there are just a few of the passages I wanted to share. My CDs or DVDs are available through my website. There's about 300 messages out there in cyberspace somewhere. And I'd love to have an email from any of you responding to anything I say or anything you pick up on my blogs and georgeverwer.com. By the way, you, some of the blogs are a bit funny. You can see my new exercise program in the Jumbo Jet Toilet. God bless you. Go for it. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.